Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far... I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Justin Bamford back with us has been exploring various avenues of high strangeness. And its interconnectedness from the paranormal, the UFOs, the men in black, psychic phenomena, everything in between for about two decades. His book is called The Spectrum, Glimpses of the Paranormal and Encounters with the Strange. Takes a look at often overlooked aspects of these events through various case studies and his own experiences. He has a podcast that you can find at the website normalparanormal.org. Justin, welcome back. How have you been? Hey George, thanks for having me back. It's been a it's been quite the ride these last couple of years. My went by too fast, didn't it? I know, right? It feels like just yesterday I was talking with you. How did the book The Spectrum do for you when it came out in eighteen? Oh, it did it did phenomenal. There I got a lot of feedback from people. A lot of people were writing in, sharing their stories. It it was it's opened the door to well, a lot of high strangeness in itself. So but it's uh, it, it's been quite a treat. I'm, I'm really blessed to to be able to publish these stories and to share it with the world. And I'm looking forward to some of your stories tonight sure, here on super. the air. Justin, I'm fascinated by how people in the paranormal get involved in it. How what pulls them in? How far back was that? Was that for you? Were you a kid when you were interested in this stuff? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of listeners can relate to this. You know, we don't really choose the paranormal so much as it chooses us. That's true. And for me. I, I was, well, I was living in what I thought was a haunted house at the time, but now looking back on it as an adult, I think it was more of a haunted experience that was just perpetuated by just negative energy and um, and just like a cloud of negativity because my parents were going through a divorce at the time, and I think whatever may have existed in the house was just fueled by all this darkness and all of these... Um, it's just nasty, nasty thoughts and thinking, and and just overall negativity. A lot of too much negativity doesn't it doesn't help, does it? 
No, it doesn't. And it, it's interesting because you hear a lot about, you know, people saying like, oh, you know, you can manifest your own reality and, you know, you can bring in positivity. You know, if you focus too much on depressing things, you'll attract depressing things. And I know it kind of sounds like woo-woo topics, but there might be something to that. You know, this phenomenon might play more of a part uh, off of our psyche than, than we may realize. Tell us about your podcast, Terra Signals. Yeah, so Terra Signals, that just happened recently, uh, earlier uh, last year. And um, I started it up, you know, primarily as just to present various guests on different topics, you know, ranging from the supernatural or metaphysical to science, technology, society, culture, and the strange and the stranger. And what I thought was really cool is hearing people's stories through their own words. You know, because it just resonates more when you can hear it firsthand from someone. And I've had quite a few guests on there that I covered in the book, The Spectrum, but I think it has a little bit more of a, a little bit more weight when you can actually hear it directly from them. Well, that's fantastic. It, it really is. And you've been doing it, like you said, just recently. Have you had any uh-huh. stunning surprises with anybody on the air? <laughs> well, uh,. You know, it was interesting because I had um, I had Larry Arnold, who uh, who's the world's foremost researcher on the spontaneous human combustion. Yeah, he's been on our show before. That's right. That's right. And uh, that was really fun conversation. You know, Larry's a good friend of mine, and I was like, you know what? It's funny because there are some aspects of the phenomenon that you don't hear much about nowadays. It's bizarre, it's, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is, and it's still going on. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is just because we can't put um, a specific term on something or we can't neatly package it into a categorical box, then, you know, we, we tend to dismiss it. But there's a lot of strangeness out there, including what we're going to cover tonight with what I call the men in black, but not just men in black, but strange people encounters. Would you consider yourself a paranormal investigator, facilitator? What would you call yourself? Uh, an interested party. Um, you know, I, I do investigating, I do researching, I do writing, but ultimately I think I'm just there to talk with people. I mean, you know, I just interview a lot of people more so than I do, you know, and I go to their house and investigate their claims and all this. A lot of times people just want to share their story and I'm happy to listen to their story and hopefully give them a platform to share it with others. When you when you go out, whether it's to dinner or a little recreation, do you find that people always want to talk to you about the paranormal? <laughs> well, you know, here's what I've learned is that they will people will often share a little bit, but it's never the full story. You really have to kind of gain their trust first. You have to show them that you're not going to judge them, that you're not going to outright dismiss them. Um, you know, you're just going to listen to them. And I think when people feel comfortable, um, as they've done with me over the years, they've, they tend to share more and more. And I've had people share stories with me that, that I cannot, you know, share with everybody, everybody else. But, um, a lot of times I, I tell people, look, your testimony, that's going to help empower someone else to share their testimony and to come forward and to realize, hey, we're not alone. You know, what you're experiencing, someone else, you know, a few states over may be experiencing the same thing. As we continue talking with Justin Bamforth, you're going to hear some really strange paranormal stories from him later. You mentioned the men in black, but you don't like to use that term, do you? 
No, I, I really don't because, you know, we put a certain stereotype on it, and I've learned to ask witnesses more to not say, hey, have you had any men in black encounters? Because then they go right to that, that stereotype of the Tommy Lee Jones, Will Smith, you know, type, yeah. type of image. So what I say now is I go, have you ever had any peculiar interactions with people that stand out as it's just unusual or just, you know, strange? And a lot, and most of the time people are like, nah, not really. But every once in a while, someone will think, and they'll be like, you know what? There was that really strange encounter. Let me tell you about it. And sure enough, it has some of the classic hallmark signs of the men in black. You know, this, um, you know, there's, there's certain patterns, uh, with these strange people encounters that I've, that I've learned to look for. And some of it tends to be like this odd movement, you know, this physical movement when they're seen, uh, sometimes this odd speech pattern that sounds very robotic or mechanical. Um, and then they just don't quite look right. And they, they, they look almost like too perfect. Like they're trying to become, they're trying to fit in too much. And then it, it, when you really look at them, you realize, oh, wait, this person, are they even human? <laughs> it's really bizarre stuff. Justin, what do you think triggers them to show up? Well, again, I think it's the state of mind, you know, that, that we're in. Um, a, a lot of times... I think stress plays a part in, into it. Uh, not always, but a lot of times. And I think, you know, uh, some people say, oh, well, I, if I want to see a man in black or, or a strange person, like, you know, I'm just going to kind of um, set my mind up to, to, to attract them. And that may, that may be the case, you know, sometimes, but more often than not, it's, there's something, there's some other missing link there. And I haven't quite, figured it out as to what triggers that. But I think stress plays a part into it. Um, I, I think influence from a, from the perspective of, you know, you're, you have it in your mind, but not too much in your mind. It, it's very similar to, like, a ghost encounter, right? If you go to a paranormal hotspot expecting something to happen, chances are it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, you yeah. got it. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so... There's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you found that the men in black are government... uh, Agents, extraterrestrials, what do you think they are? I, I think there is some aspects that could be government-related. You know, there, there are certainly, you know, people that we know who are showing up on the scene to cover up things. Um, but I think there's also this mimicry uh, that the phenomenon tends to exhibit. And those parts, uh, those cases, I'm more intrigued by the the situations where... These, these guys and gals show up on the scene and they're mimicking like government official or, or an FBI agent. Um, and, and sometimes they're just, they're, they're not necessarily trailing the UFO experience too. It could be after a paranormal experience. Um, it could be after a very mundane, normal, everyday, day-to-day experience. And all of a sudden these, these people, or sometimes they just show up one at a time, and uh, they'll, they'll merge on the scene. So it's it's really weird. What it is exactly, uh, your guess is as good as mine. What do you think triggers them to show up? Again, I think it's it, it's it's just there's got to be something in the mindset. But, but I haven't quite put my finger on it. So that's why I'm looking for these cases. I'm, I'm looking for things that, um, commonalities, similarities, not just in the experiences, but in the individuals experience it you know what do they all hold in common you know is there something in the family history that has you know opened up a door um one of the aspects that i found really interesting in interviewing a lot of people about their men in black encounters or the strange people encounters is that there's send there tends to be this um this doppelganger experience that a lot of them have had um and that i think that's a really interesting aspect there. It is fascinating indeed. Who do you think, well, how do they know where to go, where to show up? Well, they, they don't seem too bright, um, to be honest with you. Um, it's almost like... No personalities, now, right? Well, I, I, well, when you ask, like, you know, where do they show up, right, or, or how do they show up, Sometimes, you know, I share, I share with you one experience, you know, on, on one of my um, appearances on Coast here, but I just want to share it again because I think it relates. I had given a talk um, a, a number of years back at this one, this, uh, this one tavern up in New Jersey, and it was on the Men in Black. And then two weeks later, um, the event organizers have their own Men in Black experience 
where this guy shows up and they <laughs> it was really interesting because each time they looked around the corner, he seemed to have traversed a, a tremendous distance in a very short amount of time. And this guy shows up, and he's wearing dark sunglasses. He's wearing, um, he's wearing, uh, I think he was wearing like a hat, um, but he's wearing a, his skin tone was very similar, eerily similar with the Men in Black experiences. But this guy, he he peeks his head into the tavern, peeks his head out, and then just moves down the street, but at a Super, super high rate of speed. Now, was he there for me? Uh, maybe. Uh, was he there for another uh, presenter? Possibly. But, you know, if he was there for me, like, you know, he must not have gotten the memo because I was there two weeks prior. Yeah. For these event, for these event organizers, they weren't even familiar with the Men in Black experience until I had given my presentation. So did I trigger something in their mind? Um, you know, they were just standing around outside having a smoke break at the time. So it's really bizarre. Why did these guys show up? And is it to be seen? Is it to freak us out? Yeah, again, it's, it, we can only speculate. Didn't your father have a UFO experience? Yes, he did. He had a very, very interesting experience, which um, to this day, it has remained the exact same. Um, so my dad, he, he's worked for like some big companies in the past, like, um, like GE and various government subcontractors until he retired. He served in the Navy and all this stuff. But um, his experience uh, was with a friend of his back in 1968 in York County, Pennsylvania. And his friend, uh, Tim, and him were driving around. They were looking for a spot for them to hang out. And they went up on the top of this hill, right? And they noticed these two lights coming up the hill towards them. And these lights, they're extremely bright and um, very slow and extremely silent. And my dad rolls down the passenger side window. He sees this thing rising up in the sky. Again, no sound. He said it was dead quiet outside. And some of you may know or have heard about the Oz effect. You know, this is common with UFO reports. He said this, this took place, this absence of all sound. And this really freaked them out. So they, they left um, as this craft seemed to come down um, in the woods right next to them uh, at the top of the hill. And they, they hightailed it out there. Now, his buddy Tim, he was a part-time reporter for the, um, the, the Sunday News up there. And his boss was the editor of the paper. So he shared this experience with his boss, and his boss goes, let's print the story. So they did, and they found out that at least seven people from two different sections in York County reported seeing one or more unidentified flying objects in the past two weeks there. So this was interesting. Shortly after that, um, about two weeks after that news story ran, a family in Hanover, Pennsylvania, contacted uh, Tim, who's my dad's friend, uh, by phone, claiming to have more info about these UFOs, but more specifically what they saw that night. So Tim was like, okay, let's set up an appointment to, to meet. Mm -hmm. So they go over to this, uh, this family's house. And um, when they arrived at the house, uh, my dad said that they were greeted by a husband and wife, you know, who looked, um, you know, quite young. And they had their two kids in their early teens. Not the, not the Adams family, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Nothing out of the ordinary. But then he just remembers the family looking eerily similar to one another. He said that they were all very tall with the same dark colored black hair and unusually pale skin. But um, my dad remembers, for, for really tall people in this house, they had a very, very small uh, interior, almost like they were like cramped um, in there. But then this family, they start sharing these, uh, these photos, these 
big photo albums with what my dad described as a lot of aerial photography of UFOs. And then the family explained that, you know, these were Air Force planes that had taken pictures of UFOs. And, you know, I think my dad said that some of them uh, said that they were classified, which my dad thought was suspicious, you know, because there was, at that time in the 1960s, there's no way someone should have this information, especially some random family. And then he remembers being shown this image of this man with blonde hair um, that had, a, had like a laurel wreath similar to what Caesar wore. The family gave more background as to who this alien was, and Dad thought it was just so absurd. But then he said, as he sat in the house, he began to notice something really unusual. The family's eyes were all the same. They were this really dark black, and not just like, you know, black, you know, normal eyes, but like solid black, no whites around the eyes whatsoever. No, and, no retinas yeah, or anything. Oh. Nothing. And... You know, it, it was just all of a sudden my dad just starts noticing this. And um, when they left the house, he asked Tim and he said, hey, did you see that? And Tim's like, no, I didn't see anything. I didn't notice an, anything unusual. So then um, that was it. But then about a year or so, Tim began to deny and discount the whole UFO event ever taking place to begin with, which really upset my dad. And my dad always wondered, well, did, these, did this family like scare him off suddenly? You know, it's again, we can only speculate, but that was it. That was the strange experience. That is wild. You have a lot of the different patterns with a lot of MIB reports. Do you think uh -huh. they're, are they almost robotic? Yeah, they are. Um, there's a lot of times that the witness will describe this robotic nature um, in almost all of the cases, to be honest with you. Uh, it's just, it's really bizarre, and that's one of the telltale signs I tell people to look for is, uh, you know, take note of their, 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 um, their physical movement, how they speak, um, and you'll find that there's this, yeah, this robotic nature to them. Are they robots? Again, this is speculation. I don't think it's that easy uh, of an answer. I think there's more to it than this. But the interactions are really, really profound. If you had to speculate, Justin, on whether they were extraterrestrial beings sent down to capture information or if they were humans sent by government, what would you say? I'd say I'd say neither. Um, I'd say this plays, I think, on our preconceived notions of what we think the phenomenon is. I think it's taking on this, the forms that we've come to expect and, you know, playing off of that. Because when you look at the UFO phenomenon, right, that tends to evolve. You know, uh, what people are experiencing now is a little bit different from what people were experiencing back then. You know, the, even the classic UFO shape. You know, you don't see a lot of these flying saucers anymore. Occasionally you do, but not always. Um, now it's these glowing balls of light. Um, and I think the phenomenon tends to do that. It tends to take on different forms to better, I guess, better appear to us uh, so that we can maybe, maybe so that we can perceive it. So is the, is even these strange people encounters, are, are they even, is their natural form even human at all? You know, it's, it's something I'm, I'm wondering. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.
It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.